you learned last week what you are and how to be an influencer, how to know you are an influencer of God, to know that God has made you an influencer. Now, this week, it was funny because when me and CJ were talking about this, I was like, I don't want to seem like I'm copying him or something, but God, he gave me the characteristics of an influencer. See, you are an influencer. You know you can be one, but what are the characteristics of it? So this summer, who has been fed by the word of God? Who has been fed so much that it's the most feeding you've ever had in your entire life? Honestly, low key. It's been a great summer. Um, Man, at Southwest, me and CJ, you know, you put two best friends in a hotel room, you're going to stay up till two in the morning and talk about your life and all that kind of good stuff. But man, me and CJ were talking and just how good God has been this year and how good he has uh, been to our finances, you know, our, our, our ministry, everything like that. But how we both realize we're stepping into new seasons of our life. But you have been fed this whole summer. Now it's time for you to go do the feeding. It's about you being fed. When you get fed, you need to go feed. See, that's what an influencer does. An influencer feeds people. He gives people the word of God. When he walks into a room, when she or he walks into a room, everything changes. So that that goes to what we're talking about tonight is characteristics of an influencer. And the first point, you put the first point up there, the characteristics, the first one is an influencer of God changes the atmosphere wherever they go. See, Jesus, when he walked anywhere, when he went anywhere, he changed the whole atmosphere. He changed everything. Nothing was the same after he left a place. So let's go to Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Let's go to Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Who brought their Bibles? Awesome. If you don't have a Bible, we will get you a Bible. Just tell us. Just tell us. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Let me get there. So Jesus changed the atmosphere wherever he went. Let's look at verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That sounds like changing a bunch of people's lives and changing the environment. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to to his disciples, this is important, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. See, you are a laborer. See, he's asking for you to be a laborer, to be an influencer, and to be a servant. He needs you to be the influencer of that harvest, to go out yourself and bring people to his harvest. You are an influencer of the harvest. Say, I'm an influencer of the harvest. So when you look at that first characteristic, when you walk into a room, does it change good or does it change bad? See, when I was, I'm not gonna even say a little younger, I'll even say a couple years ago, when I walked into a room, I'm very energetic and I can come off very tone deaf, and I can be a little rude when I speak sometimes, and I don't even realize it. So when I would walk into a room, and I would start talking, people kind of would, like, whoa, this guy's a little too much right now. So what I started to realize is that, one, I'm tone deaf, and I need to change that, but two, that when I spend more time with Jesus, he changes that and turns it around so that I can be like him. So when you get with Jesus, you're not a bad influencer, because you can be a bad influencer, but when you get with Jesus, you become a good influencer, an influencer of his harvest. So one, when you be an influencer, you're going to have 
a change of atmosphere wherever you go, just like Jesus did. When he walked places, when he, when he went to a place, he had a mission. And his miss- mission, what did it say right there? He had compassion for the people because they needed the harvest. And it's not just he went out there to, all right, you're healed. You can do whatever you want now. You don't have, no, he did that so that they could become laborers of the harvest. See, when you get saved, you should not just be a Wednesday, Sunday Christian, just going to church, getting fed. No, you need to go do the feeding yourself. You have to go do the feeding. And when you go do the feeding, that environment changes everywhere you go. So number one, an influence of God changes the atmosphere wherever they go. Now number two, an influencer of God has a servant's heart. He has a servant's heart. One of the prime examples is Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Man, the Son of God sat his disciples down and washed his feet right before he was about to do the greatest thing known in the history of man, was die on the cross, and he washed his disciples' feet. Let's go to, where is it at? Luke, or John 13. Go to John 13. John 13. Now, before I get into the verse, well, no, I'll do that in a second. John 13. I'm just going to take a minute. I got the parallel Bible, so it takes a little time flipping pages. There we are. All right, John 13, verse 1. This is going to be a lot of reading, so bear with me. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being uh, ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, uh, Simon's son, to betray him. This man still washed Simon's feet, knowing he was going to betray him. See, there's people in your life that you just can't stand. And you love them from a distance. That's what you have to do. And you can't be around them long. But Jesus himself, the guy who has been with him for three years, who saw him do the greatest things ever, saw him do miracles, saw him feed the 5,000, saw him do all these amazing things, betrayed him, and Jesus still washed his feet. See, what does it say? It says, Jesus said, I have a new command for you. Love your enemy. See, everybody will say, oh, eye for an eye. We need to get an eye for an eye. If they did something bad to me, I need to do something bad to them. If they're always mean to me, I don't need to do anything good for them. See, that's the opposite of what Jesus is saying. An influencer doesn't act that way. An influencer has a servant's heart. Hey, if they're still mean to me, I'm still going to serve them. If they're still kind of rude to me and do these main main, uh, things to me, and they just kind of like take shots at me all the time, I'm still going to love on them because that's what an influencer of God does. That's what a servant of God does. So let's go on. And Jesus, verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all these things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which, which, with which, gosh, this new King James, he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? He was confused. He was like, you don't, you don't need to do this right now. But he said, Jesus answered, said to him, what am I doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. So Peter was like, all right, what's up? Give me everything. Wash my head, wash my body, everything. Jesus like, hold up one second. Like, I didn't say do that. You're not getting the point, Peter. But Peter said, you will wa- never wash my feet, Jesus answered. If I do not wash, you have no part with me. That's kind of harsh. Said, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So he, did, he wanted to be a part with Jesus. There was no way he was not going to be like, nah. Because Jesus was trying to teach him something this moment. We're going to see in a second. 
In verse 11, for he knew he would betray him. He even knew in that moment Peter would betray him. Peter would deny him three times. And he said, come here, I'm going to wash your feet. So two of his disciples were going to betray, and he still washed their feet. Even the other disciples, they didn't. The only one that stayed with him was John. John was the only one at the crucifixion that, watched, that actually watched Jesus die on the cross. All the rest of them ran away because they were scared they were going to die, get arrested. Kind of like, you know, when they accused Peter, oh, you were with him. They thought that was going to happen to them. See, he knew that they would do that, yet he still washed all their feet. For he knew he would not betray them. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. He's talking about Judas right there. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so am I. Talking about him being the Messiah. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. See, that is the heart of a servant right there. That is the heart of a servant. Jesus was trying to teach them that it doesn't matter how high you think you are or how high up you are as a man of God, a woman of God, you still need to wash people's feet because that's what it's about. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He's given the example. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than who than he who has sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you are a servant of God. So when we look at what Jesus was talking about is in that verse 14, verse 14 and 15, see, when you have a servant's heart, it inspires others to have a servant's heart. It inspires people to look at what they're doing and say, maybe I am being a little selfish right now. Maybe I do need to kind of like lower myself and humble myself on the level knowing that this isn't about me, it's about them. So one of the prime, another prime example I see is Pastor Justin. Man, there's been so many times, dude, where we're tearing down after an event. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And most pastors, bro, they'd be looking at people like, all right, you guys got this, peace out. No, not Pastor Justin. He stays in the trenches with us. He's putting chairs back together. He's trying to tear everything down. And people are like, no, you need to go. And he's like, no, this is what I want to do because that's his heart. See, every great men, man and women of God, they have a servant's heart. They have a servant's heart. And if you don't have a servant's heart, you can't be great. If you want to be first, it says in Mark 9, 35, if you want to be first, you have to be last. And what that means is your heart is not towards you, it's towards them. So when you have that servant's heart, it inspires others and it pushes you to be a greater influencer of God. So second point, an influencer of God has a servant's heart. Let's go to the third point. An influencer of God is as bold as a lion. Is as bold as a lion. Let's look at Proverbs 28.1. See, there's so many times, the reason why people don't step out. See, when I talk about an influencer, I'm talking someone that when they go somewhere, they are preaching the gospel no matter, not no matter what, but I'm just saying there's going to be an opportunity to come. See, as an influencer of God, he's going to provide you an opportunity no matter where you walk. When I was telling you guys last week about my gym, I didn't know I was going to walk into the gym and pray for a guy the other day. I didn't know that. But God sees me, and he sees my heart for people, and he also sees your heart as well. If you have a heart towards people, if you have a heart that says, Lord, what Ashley was singing, send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. He's going to create opportunities for you. But there's a thing called fear. And fear is what stops people from going and doing what God has told them to do. See, I talked, last time I spoke here, I talked about fear. And I said, fear is not real if you make it real. Fear isn't real if you make it real, though. If you make fear real, then yeah, it exists, but it's not, it's not real. Fear is not a real thing. It's just Satan in your head right here talking to you. So, but let's look at this verse, Proverbs 28.1. I didn't turn to it, so this, sorry about that. Proverbs 28.1. Let's see. All right. 
Very simple and short. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. What is I was kind of confused when I read that, but then God immediately brought to me and said, the wicked flee when no one pursues. What that means is that they're fearful of the thing that isn't there. They're fearful of the thing that is not existing, yet they still run. See, you can go up and be in school, and God can tell you to pray for someone, and your first thought will be, well, what if they make fun of me? What if they think I'm stupid? Last week when CJ was talking about with his friend and that senior, and he's cool, and he's got his girlfriend right next to him. CJ, those, probably, those thoughts probably ran through your head. But what did he do? He was bold as a lion. He was a freshman talking to a senior and went up and was bold as a lion and said, hey, bro, can I pray for you? See, when you're bold as a lion, that is when you step out for the first time, that is the last time Satan has an influence on you. That is the last time Satan has an influence on you fully because you can be a Christian and you can be a born-again believer, but Satan still has influence over you. But when you step out for the first time, when you get past that, those fear and those nerves, you're not going back. You're not going back to those fear and nerves. The first time I ever stepped out in college at Texas Tech, I was pretty scared because it's all these cool college kids and everybody's, you know, doing their thing. You know what I mean? I'm in the cafeteria, which is probably the most crowded place. And I stopped the whole line. And I'm like, hey, Miss, can I pray for you? See, when I did that the first time, I became the guy who walks in the cafeteria and prayed for all those people. And they knew that too. And it was funny, at one point, I had prayed for like all the janitors for these couple months. And I told, I told one of the guys, I was like, hey, do you have back problems? And they all came around together. It was so cool. I almost cried thinking about it. All the janitors came around together and we all placed our hands on him. See, that influenced them. They became bold in that moment. They became bold. Man, if this college kid, if this, this 20, 19-year-old kid is doing this, I need to do this. I can become bold as a lion. So when you step out, fear goes. And Satan's like, well, I lost. I lost that person right there. So let me, let me go to this person. But you know, you are going after the people that he is trying to stop. Because when you become a laborer of the harvest, you say, Lord, take me and send me because I'm as bold as a lion. Wherever I walk, wherever I go, Lord, you are going to take me and you are going to use me and I'm going to send people because it's your harvest. It's not about me. It's not my will, Father, but it's your be, yours be done. So when you look and when you say, God, I, I'll do, not look, when you do something, you say yes to Jesus and you say, send me, Lord, and you say, I'll be bold. I don't have fear. And you go up, Satan loses that influence on you, and he'll never come back. He'll try to come back in the thoughts, but I'd done this before, like when I was lifting the weights, and I had already dropped the weights. The least I could do, I'm not scared to pray for this guy. I just embarrassed myself even more. What would they, who cares if I go up and pray for this guy? Because I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared. When you keep going and when you keep pursuing after God and you're pursuing after people, you get more bold and more bold and God starts giving you more opportunity and more opportunity. And when you come to the point in your life when you say, God, I've, I want to do more, he's going to promote you to another level because he honors that boldness and he honors you being a servant to him because you said, Lord, it's me. Send me. That, I, man, when Ash started singing that, I was about to bawl my eyes out. When she started singing that, I was saying, Lord, send me. You have sent me to speak to these students tonight. And it's an honor to speak to every single one of you. See, when I was at Texas Tech, I said, Lord, send me to them. Send me to them. See, my whole life right now, guys, my whole calling right now is you. But guess what? You have a calling inside of you as well. You have something. This is not something where I get fed, I go home, and then I come back and I get fed some more. No, you can do it too. See, I started this. I started doing this when I was second semester of my senior year. You're not in your, you seniors, you aren't in your second semester of your senior year. 
So that means you have an opportunity to do it before I did. You, have, you middle schoolers, you lower classmen, you have an opportunity to do it now. Don't wait. Don't say, well, you know, once I graduate college, you know, then I'll start doing things for the kingdom of God. Or one, I, I want to I party a little bit, so then I'll start doing things for the kingdom of God. You know, my mentality when I first, before I went to Texas Tech, it was like orientation. They asked, what do you want to major in? I said, finance. Throw up in my mouth every time I think about it now. But I said, in finance. And I told my dad, we were walking around campus, and I was like, you know, I was talking to my sister and dad, and I said, you know, I'll, I'll do finance, I'll do some finance stuff, but I'll probably be involved in a church, you know what I mean? Or maybe eventually I'll, you know, do some stuff, you know, with ministry and all that. And God had a completely different plan than I thought of. But see, when I was in my dorm room and I was praying and God told me, stay the year at Texas Tech, drop out and go to Heritage of Faith. I did not question it because in my head, I'm like, why am I studying biology and chemistry and geology and, okay, not all sciences. Why am I doing all the sciences? Why am I studying math and art appreciation? Like, cool, art's cool and all that, shout out. But, like, I don't really need to know that. I want to study the Bible right now. I want to study the Bible right now. So when God told me, hey, you're going to go to ministry and you're going to drop out of college, I was like, bet, I'm about to leave right now pack up and everything. But he said, no, stay here because I'm going to bring you broken people. And God taught me that year how to evangelize. God taught me that year his love for people, his passion for people. And you know what that did to me? That marked me and that changed me. So when I go places, I'm, I'm going to tell you all how I am when people, salesmen come to my house in a second. I love it when they come to my house, apparently. Now you can ask Abby. It's like, God's like, all right, pray for them. This is your opportunity right here. That's like my ministry. All these salesmen know that this is like the gospel house that we probably need to stay away from because he's going to sell you actually the gospel. So anyway, um, the righteous or the influencer of God is as bold as a lion. See, you'll never turn back in that moment. You'll never turn back in that moment. You'll never be the same in that moment. You'll always want to share with someone. See, I've gone places before, and I've missed my opportunity. I've missed an opportunity because I was too distracted, and I was too focused on something else. And maybe God was trying to tell me to do something, but I just was too distracted. See, when you walk places like Jesus walked, see, Jesus was walking to a well, and he had one of the greatest passages in the Bible based off that experience when he talked to the women with the well. He wasn't going in the synagogue. He wasn't, you know, doing some big camp rally or anything like that. He walked to a well and he got to speak to a woman and he told her everything about her. And that led her for her revelation. See, and there's a example of that in the chosen. And Jesus says to his disciples in the chosen, not in the Bible. He says, hey, we're going to go through Samaria and we're not going to go this way because I want to go through Samaria. But they're like, Lord, we hate the Samaritans. And they're like, okay, hate's a strong word, but we don't like the Samaritans and it'll probably be hostile territory. So they're walking through and they're, they're questioning, why are we going this way? Why are we going this way? And he tells them, hey, you guys go in the city and do this. I'm going to go to the well real quick. See, he walks to the well and that whole thing happens. See, sometimes you don't have to understand the why. You just need to do what God tells you to do. Because he needs you in that moment. See, I didn't understand why I went to the gym, why the weights fell off, and why this random guy right next to me is doing his calf thing, stares at me and looks at me and says, hey, you need to go one more. He did that and God aligned that. Because he wanted me to speak to him and pray to him. See, you don't need to understand the why all the time. Just do it. Because you know what bold also means? Bold means trust in the Greek. It means trust in and rely in. So when you are as bold as a lion, you're trusting what God is saying and not questioning it in that moment. You just do it. You just go up and do it. You just go up and say, God.
Got me? All right. Man, kind of took me off right there. When you're as bold as a lion and when you trust in and rely in what God has been telling you and what God tells you to do in that moment, you will have no fear for the rest of your life. You will have no fear when God tells you, hey, pray for that person. Hey, Brent, go talk to that person right there. Go speak to him. Go lay your hands on him. Ava, go, I want you to go to this person and give them this amount of money. You won't be fearful in that because you have trust in God. You have trust in God in that moment knowing this is why I do this. This is why I live. Someone needs this in this moment. That's what an influencer is about. You're a laborer of the harvest and God needs you in that moment. He needs you because they need him. They need him. The reason that you don't, I've said this before, the reason that you don't, when you accept Jesus, you don't go to heaven because there's more people that haven't accepted Jesus and he needs you to do that. He needs you to lead them. He needs you. That's your purpose in life. Everybody nowadays is, oh, what's my purpose in life? What, what, is, what do I have to do? What astrology sign do I have to go off today? No, it's, it's not about that. Your purpose in life is supposed to be an influencer of God. No matter what you do, that doesn't mean you're going to be in full-time ministry. What it means is you're going to be in ministry, maybe not full-time like me, CJ, Pastor Alex, Pastor, well, Pastor as I know is half of it, but that doesn't mean you're going to be in full-time ministry. See, there's things that you can do that can still lead people to God. The desire in your heart that you have to do for your life, what you want to do your career as, is it good now? Yeah. What you want to do your career as, see, God has put that desire in your heart for a reason. God has put that desire in your heart so that you can lead people to Jesus. That's why he puts that. See, there's things that Abby does at Dutch Bros where she's gotten opportunities to preach the gospel to people. There's things that Pastor Azanel has done at her job, especially her job, that she has been able to preach to people because they need it. There's people working at Abby's place that has told Abby, I don't like the church because I'm church hurt. There's people who have done that. There's people who are hurt by God. There's people in your school who are hurt by God. There's people on your sports teams that are hurt by God. Wherever you go, there are hurt people. They're hurt by God, quotation marks, hurt by the church. But you need to show them, no, it's not God. It's Satan. It's not God. This is the God that I serve. See, I'm about to talk about a guy who just tore his Achilles. Um, Aaron Rodgers. You know, also, I'm going to say, Caesar wore his cowboy shirt last week, and he prayed for them to win, and they won 40 to 0. So, Lord, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray that the Packers win this week. They, won't, they already beat the Bears, so I'm already good. But anyway... I was listening one time to Aaron Rodgers, and it was when he was dating Danica Patrick in, like, 2018, whatever, like that. And he was on her podcast, and the podcast they started talking about was religion. And Aaron Rodgers grew up a uh, Seventh-day Adventist, I think. And his parents are hardcore, like, brimstone and fire type Christians. And as I'm listening to this podcast, he says... You know, I went to youth group. I really enjoyed youth group. The youth pastor was really awesome. He's like, but I just don't get why people would want to serve a God that wants to hurt you at any moment. And immediately the Lord spoke to me and said, show him. Show him that that is not who I am. See, in that moment, I've idolized that guy growing up. He's the guy who got me into football. And I nowadays say one of my goals in life is I'm going to lead Aaron Rodgers to Jesus. You may laugh at it. You may say, oh, that's funny. That's No, I will lead Aaron Rodgers to Jesus. Because in that moment, I said, Lord, send me to show him who you really are. And guess what? My grandpa, when he was younger, he idolized Mickey Mantle. He idolized all these boxers. And he's met every single one, and he's got to talk to them about Jesus. So if it can do it for him, it can do it for me. And if it can do it for me, it can do it for you. Who you idolize, you if they don't know Jesus, God will send you to, to, to talk about Jesus with them. Even, even, dude, I'm thinking, dude, 
I love sports. So I know God is going to send me to a bunch of pro athletes one day. I know that. But when I saw that video of Aaron Rodgers, and he said, I don't know why people would serve a God that wants to hurt him. He's been given the wrong God, and that's not my God. Because my God loves you. My God wants to bless you. My God is for you, so who could be against you? See, that's what being bold as a lion is, is you don't care who the person is. You don't care the environment that you're in. You're going to go speak to them because God told you to do that. They may be a senior in high school. They may be the popular kid in school, or you may be the popular kid in school, and they're the lower class kid, and you don't want to talk to them because they see, oh, well, the popular kid is going to go, sorry, I just spit. That was crazy. The popular kid is going to go talk to them. Man, what are they doing right now? It doesn't matter. See, when I was in high school, I, I wouldn't say it was popular, but I had a lot of friends. And a lot of, everyone liked me. I was, I was cool with the popular kids, and I was cool with the kids that weren't really popular. Every class I went to, I just wanted to have fun with everybody and have a good time. And, hey, you can cheat off my test if you want to. Hey, give us the answers. We'll do photo math together, blah, blah, blah. We'll have a Snapchat group chat and we'll all give each other, I'll send the answers to you guys. And then there were times where I'd be invited to things by the popular kids, or I'd be invited to things from not so popular kids, but I just loved everybody. See, I have a passion for people. I just, uh, just want to be everybody's friend in that moment and have a good time with everybody. But there was times when the really popular kids would come around, and I would, I would just kind of look all cool and like don't say anything because I was fearful. I was low-key fearful inside because what if I say this thing to them? What if I say this to them and they think I'm stupid? And I had this fear for years. But the day that I went to Texas Tech and the day that I said, I don't care what people see because there's a bunch of cool people around, but I don't care. That fear went away. So I don't care who I talk to now. See, there's times where I can be oh, that person's a high-up person, like, it's kind of cool to talk to them right now, or you can be a little intimidated, but that's different. See, when you walk into a situation and you don't have fear, God will use you mightily. So say, I am as bold as a lion. All right, last point, and this is probably the most important point. An influencer of God is always willing to be obedient. See, Pastor Azanel talked about willingness a couple weeks ago. Be willing. See, you need to be obedient to what God is saying. That's the most important thing. Most important thing. Because there's so many times where you can miss it, and then things start going down. But it's okay. When you miss it, God says, hey, come back to me, and I'll show you where you messed up. I'll show you how to take you to that higher level. But and I said before, sometimes you just don't know the why. Just do it. It's so Nike. Just do it. You know what I mean? Just do it. In that moment, he just wants you to be obedient to what he's telling you to do. Amen? So when I was, uh, voice crack, when I was uh, uh, studying, the Lord gave me three things that obedience does. The first one. Your obedience will inspire others. Just like a servant's heart inspires others, your obedience will inspire others. See, I told the boys a small group a couple weeks ago about a time where um, I was at the YMCA in Granbury, and I'd come back from Texas Tech, so I was like already like heart of evangelist, like wanted everywhere I go, I wanted to pray for people, and just asking God, use me. And as I'm working out and all that kind of stuff, um, I see this man and his wife, and the man is in a wheelchair, and he has an oxygen tank and all that kind of stuff, and, but he's working out. He's, like, putting work in, man, and I'm like, shout out that guy, but he's doing that, and him, him and his wife, they're, you know, a little older and all that, and uh, I, uh, I was working out, and they got right next to me, and I just said, waved at him, said hi, and the Lord said, pray for, pray for him. And I was like, all right, bet. So I said, I stopped my set, and I said, hey, this may be weird, but um, could I pray for you, sir? And he said, yeah, of course. So I prayed for him, and uh, 
you know, we started talking. Yeah, we're believers. You know what I mean? We go to, we go to Lakeside Baptist. That's the youth group I actually went to. And he was like, yeah, we're believers. And, you know, we just want to, you know, get healthy. I'm trying to get healthy and believe and I'm healed. And then his wife showed me, pulled up her uh, pants, showed me her leg. And she was a military veteran that had an amputee. They were both working out, doing hard workouts. And I was like, man, that kind of wants me to go a little harder. Cause, but um, anyway, the point of the story is um, that wasn't the reason why I'm telling you this story right now. The reason why is the next day I went back to the YMCA. And I'm doing leg day. That's the worst day for me, in my opinion. But I'm doing leg day. And this lady who had worked at the Y, I've seen her since I was like 15. She was this Asian lady. She came up to me. And she said, hey, I just want to let you know, um, when you prayed for him yesterday, that really inspired me. And she said, it really inspired me to start talking about my faith more and talking about, you know, God and people in every situation I'm in. See, the reason I prayed for that guy was to inspire her to start doing the same thing. Because my obedience led to her being inspired, led to her wanting to talk about Jesus with her friends, talking about Jesus, because she, she was a personal trainer, I think, there, talking to Jesus about her, her customers and everything like that. But it's something that when you're obedient, it will inspire everyone around you. Like, man, they're not scared. They don't care. They don't care what people think about them. They're just obedient to what God tells them to do because they're willing to what God tells them to do. So, First one, your obedience will inspire others. Second one, your obedience leads to blessing. Who likes a blessing here? Amen. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28, 1, 2 real quick. And this is talking about the blessing of Abraham and his covenant. See, in Galatians Six, it talks about, or Galatians 3, it talks about how we are the seed of Abraham. So we have the blessing of Abraham. So in this chapter, it's just talking about all of his blessings. But let's listen to the, let's read the first two verses. If you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord, being watchful to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. So when you're obedient to God, he's going to honor that and he's going to bless you. And bless means empower to prosper in the Greek and it doesn't just mean empower to prosper financially. It means empower to prosper in every area of your life. Because guess what that does? It gets you to a higher level so that you can be a blessing to everybody. Because we're blessed to be a blessing. So when you're obedient, see, Dr. Savoe, when he was in his, in his car, or not in his car, in his house late at night, and he said, God, I need you in that moment. God told him, close your shop. Spent no, uh, no less than eight hours a day in the Word. And guess what he did? He closed his shop. His, his dream, he thought, closed that and spent eight hours in the Word every single day. And he did that for three months. Was it three or six months? Three. He did that for three months. And look where God has taken him. Who wants to be like that? I want to be like that. I know it's my grandpa, but still, I want to be like that. See, because he wants to bless you when you're obedient to him. He wants to show you, you know what? You did this for me. I'm going to do this for you. You did this, Dylan. You're obedient. You're a diligent child. Here you go. Because it's in a prime example. If I've told this story before, when the last thing I did at Texas Tech was give my whole wallet to a lady. And when I got home, they called me up and said, hey, we got a $5,000 Pell Grant for you. You want it? And I said, yes, I do want it. Give me that, give me that money, please. Drop it in my bank account right now. See, God honored me in that moment. God honored what I did at Texas Tech because I obeyed the voice of the Lord. So, second point. Your obedience leads to a blessing. Third point, and this is really important. Your obedience leads to someone's revelation of who God truly is. Of who God truly is. 
Everybody stand to your feet. Worship team, you can come up. See, sometimes what I've said before, we don't know. Everybody can come on the carpet. We don't know why we do these things. Why God wants us to do this in this certain moment. See, about a month ago, a guy had come to my house, and he was about my age, and he was a salesman, and this is what I was talking about earlier is he had come to my house, and he was with some window company or something like that, and as he opened the door, the love of God just came on me. And he's talking to me, and he says, hey, man, we got these windows. He's doing his whole spill, all that kind of stuff. And uh, as he's talking, God just says, pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. Ask him what he needs prayer for. And as he's talking, I'm not going to buy any windows, but uh, as he's talking, he, uh, he says, hey, man, would you like me to do an estimate around the house? And I was about to leave, so I couldn't. And he said, well, I can have a guy come by tomorrow and do it. I said, I don't know why I said this. I said, yeah, sure. How about that? He can come by tomorrow and give me the estimate, go around my house. And he said, yeah. I was like, it'll probably take, what, like 15, 30 minutes? He was like, no, it'll take a couple hours. I was like, oh, great. Okay. Just lost my Saturday. But I was so confused why I just said yes. It wasn't because I was scared or he was pressuring me. I just was like, yes, yeah, of course you could come by. Well, he sets the appointment and he asked me, man, you're you're pretty young to have a house. I said, yeah, God is good, man. And he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm in ministry. I work for a, a ministry in a church. And he said, dude, that seems like it pays good. And I was like, yeah, God is good. It pays good, not just financially, but it pays good spiritually because I was obedient. And I was telling him that, you know, when when I was, I was talking to him about how it happened and how I got this house and I told him how I was just obedient to what God had told me to do. And it really inspired him. He said, man, that's really cool, dude. He said, all right, well, and I, before he left, I said, hey, could I pray for you? And he said, yeah, of course. I said, is there anything specific? He said, you know, it's crazy that you're talking about like decisions and all that because, you know, I love this job, but my wife wants me to quit my job because she doesn't like me doing this stuff. She doesn't like me, you know, and he's explaining how this job works. And he's saying she wants me to quit this job and get another job, but I don't want to. So we've been going through a hard time. I said, let's pray, bro, because I can pray for you for that specific thing because I'm married as well and I know what it takes. So we prayed and he said, dude, I really needed that, man. And he said, man, I really needed that. And I was like, yeah, bro. And I told him about our church. I did all that kind of stuff. And I just thought, okay, that was God's opportunity to, you know, be obedient to him and get blessed. Well, that wasn't all of it. That wasn't the main reason. Abby can tell you that something crazy happened the next day with the next guy. (laughs) with that next guy. See, I told you guys, I love when salesmen come to my house now because every single time God is pray for them, preach the gospel to them. So this guy comes to my house tomorrow. It's like 3.30. Packers about to play in a couple hours. So I'm like, oh man, probably going to miss that game. But see, it's not my desires. See, I knew for a reason. And even before that, those couple hours before, I was like, Lord, I want to cancel it. And he said, no, don't cancel it don't cancel it. Do this appointment. So he comes to my house and it's this jacked 40-year-old guy with a cool haircut and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's something that a couple years ago, I probably would have been intimidated by the guy. But he comes in and he's, he's telling me about the windows. He's telling me about all this stuff. And again, the love of the Father just came on me. And as we're talking, um, he asked me again, what, he asked me the same question the guy did. And he said, how did you get this house, man? He said, I'm 40 and I don't even have a house. And I said, God, I said, I work in ministry and I, 
I believe in God. He's like, dude, that's awesome, man. So, so you work in ministry, and we start talking, and he tells me this story about how the church he went to, the youth pastor was caught with, or the pastor was caught cheating on his wife, and it hurt him, and he got church hurt. So as we're talking, he's walking through all my rooms, measuring the windows, and um, he tells me he's from you know, a nearby town. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And he starts telling me his whole life story. This is a 40-year-old man telling a 23-year-old 20, about his full life story. And he says, I, I dealt with drugs. I dealt with alcohol. I, you know, I had a bad home life. I was really good at football, but I just, I just gave it up because I lived that life for years and years. And he said, it wasn't until about 10 years ago, I, uh, I got saved and I got into a church and, you know, and then that's when the church hurt thing happened to him and he hadn't been in church in a little while. And as we're talking, the Lord just starts speaking out of me exactly what he needed to hear. See, it took that appointment three hours. What did he come? Three o'clock, left at six o'clock. It took three hours of my Saturday, but it was worth it. Because as we sit down to the table and he's selling me his windows and I let him know beforehand, I'm probably not going to buy anything, but I said, he's talking and we're just talking about the gospel. And I was like, you know, man, you don't have to go to church to hear the word of God. You can listen to it in your car. You can listen to your home. I said, I've had more experiences with God in my house than I have had at church. And he said, man, I've never looked at it that way. I said, Dude, you can literally experience God's presence wherever you are. And he was like baffled. He was like, what? Wasn't he, Abby? He was just like, man, I, I never thought about it that way. And you can tell in his mind, he was like thinking like, what is going on right now? And even Abby started preaching to him. We both started preaching. We're selling him now. We're selling him, the God, the God that we serve. It, it reversed. The reason why it took so long is because I'm selling him. And as I'm preaching to him and all these things, and he gets up and he's about to leave. And I said, man, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, you can. And I said, all right. So I pray for him. And when I'm done praying for him, he had a little tear in his eye. And he said, dude, that's everything that I've been questioning in my life right now that you just prayed out. That's been everything in my life that I've been asking God or asking my family or, you know, questioning why this isn't happening. That was everything I needed to hear. And he looks at me and he says, what church do you go to? I said, Heritage of Faith. He said, I'm going to check it out. See, that's what it was about, was giving him the word of God, was showing him that you don't need to just be religious and go to a church and feel like that's where you see God. You can experience God right now. See, every single one of you have Jesus on the inside of you. Every single one of you have the ability to be an influencer in your school, your sports, your activities, even your home. You can be the influencer. You can be the laborer for God's harvest. And he He's going to put on your heart people. He's going to put on your heart places. He's going to put on your heart everything, the desires that you're desiring for. He's going to put that on your heart. And when he puts that on your heart and you step out in faith, nothing will stop you. Nothing will stop you. See, you just have to be willing. You just have to be willing to say, send me, Lord. Send me, Jesus. Send me. And when you're willing, nothing will stop you. See, Noah was willing when God told him to build the ark. And everybody told him he was stupid. He was willing. Moses was willing. Moses had a stuttering problem and was scared to talk in front of people. Yet he was willing to go in front of Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Jesus was willing to take a beating for you to get spit out on you or to get spit at and to die on the cross for you not even just die on the cross but go to hell itself for you see I was telling Pastor Alex before 
the Bible is just a book about people who are willing to be obedient to God. Every single one of those people just said, yes, Lord, send me. And they were human too. They were just like you. They were just like you. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be as high up spiritually as Dr. Savelle. You could be one of those people if you're just willing. You can be an influencer wherever you go if you're just willing. Are you willing? Ask yourself that right now. Are you willing? And if you're willing, God is going to do so much in you. So I want everybody, I just feel like the Lord is telling me, who wants to be an influencer in here? If you want to be an influencer in here, I want everybody to come to the altar and get on your knees. Get on your knees and come to the altar. Because it's time to separate yourself from the world. You have been fed. The word has been sown into you. And now it's time to reap a harvest on that word. Now it's time for every single one of you to go out into the world. Say, I'm an influencer. Say it, say it louder than that. I'm an influencer. And as we, in this moment right now, I want every leader, you just close your eyes and worship. I want every leader to go lay your hands on their head and anoint them. Anoint them. Everyone, every leader in here, anoint them. And when you, they anoint you, you say, I receive the anointing. I'm an influencer of God. And when you say that, something will change in you. Something will click in you. Something will manifest in you that you have never felt before. You won't be scared. You won't be uh, nervous when you go up to people. You will say, I'm an influencer. I'm an influencer of God. And the atmosphere will change wherever you go. Jesus' name. Say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. We say yes, Lord, yes, we will answer and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree.